This is The Rant presented by Strive Sports. Benjamin Klein here with you on this Monday afternoon. Going to be talking all things New York sports uh, from this past weekend. Going to be talking Yankees, Mets, Knicks, Nets. Uh, but before I get into it, just wanted to remind you guys that you could watch or you can watch this podcast on Instagram, post it daily, or you could tune in, listen to it on the road, on the go, uh, using the using Apple Podcasts or Spotify. You could access the pods on those platforms using the link tree in my Instagram bio at these drive sports. Additionally, I will now be working with No House Advantage. Uh, providing you with two daily picks uh, in addition to my riding the BK train show where I provide you with uh, five of my overpicks for the for the night I will be doing uh, a hot and cold show on TikTok where I post daily one hot uh, overpick that I like for the night and one cold underpick that I like for the night going to be posting that to the no house advantage TikTok I'll also post that to the Strive Sports TikTok so give uh, at no house advantage a follow and also give at the Strive Sports a follow on TikTok. Uh, also looking for more fan interaction, comment on my videos on Instagram, DM me asking for my opinions or if you just want to talk, you could also access my email or my LinkedIn via the link tree, scroll all the way down to the bottom and they should be there available uh, as widgets. Uh, so overall, I, I definitely hope to get more interaction with fans. Um, it's what I, it's why I do this. It's why I, I love doing this. You know, it's all started with me simply, uh, debating sports with my friends, uh, you know, while watching whatever sports center an actual game on or just hanging out and, and talking sports. So, uh, I love talking sports with other people. I love comparing opinions and debating. So, uh, feel free to DM me on Instagram. Hopefully, hopefully my interaction with the fans will, uh, continue to increase as time goes on, but to get to it, uh, going to start by talking about the Yankees this weekend. They sweep the Detroit Tigers uh, in a three-game set ranging from Friday to Sunday. As I said during the Orioles series and uh, after the Orioles series, we needed to take advantage of these games against the Orioles and the Tigers. Unfortunately, we split against the Orioles, uh, but then we wound up sweeping the Tigers. So in the past two series, we are now 5-2. and two. Uh, That's, you know, Pretty solid, I'd say. Obviously, would prefer to be six and one. Would prefer to have taken three games to one from the Orioles. But what can you do? At least it's nice to see the Yankees kind of heading in the right direction now, uh, sweeping the Tigers. Although it wasn't, uh, you know, it wasn't so convincing in creating a change of heart for me. In that uh, they're still scoring a lot of runs via the home run, uh, not driving in runners via the base hit. Although that did happen uh, during the series. Uh, but let's get into the real nitty-gritty, the stats, uh, the analysis, so I can uh, explain to you why I'm not fully bought in. Uh, fully bought in means like I'm back to thinking that they're a championship contender. I still believe that they're a playoff uh, playoff team, not even contender, playoff team. Uh, so let's get into it. Uh, Friday, so first game of the series, Friday night, Yankees win 10-0. to They go 3-for-10 with runners in scoring position. That's very good. Uh, but the only issue is, is that they had, they hit one, two, three, four home, five home runs, uh, of which four of them were solo shots. So four solo shots, five home runs, 10 runs. That means four of the, four of the 10 runs, uh, 40% of their runs were scored via solo home runs. 
And then Judge also hit a grand slam in the fourth inning. So eight of the 10 runs via the home run, uh, 40% of them, you know, solo homers, and then 80% of the runs uh, were via the home run overall. So uh, nothing in this game, nothing's changed. They still scored a, a ton of runs. You know, they shut out the Tigers. Uh, before I get into discussing what the real issues with the Yankees are in terms of their offense, I'll just tell you after this series, uh, they took advantage, at least the pitching did, took advantage of the fact that the Tigers are not a good team. I'll get into the way Kluber pitched over the weekend, but you look at the overall pitching stats uh, for the Yankees, starting pitching and relief pitching combined, they're third in ERA. They're now tied for 10th in quality starts, so they've got they've started to get more quality starts, meaning that their starting pitching is beginning to, to pitch a little bit better. Uh, I don't know if I could take a too that into too much consideration, especially due to the fact that hitting, as you know, has been struggling throughout the MLB to start the year. So not going to get too psyched about the starting pitching yet to start, but the pitching overall gets me very excited, you know, it's and it's nice to see more quality starts. Kluber obviously had a fantastic outing the other day. Herman has had a couple quality starts recently, All obviously Cole as well. Uh, but, you know, other than that, third in ERA, first in whip, and second in batting average against, uh, you know, I give a lot of the credit there to the bullpen. Obviously, the bullpen has been fantastic uh, throughout the start of this year so far while the hitting has struggled. But uh, also got a shout out, Corey Kluber for his outing yesterday, eight innings pitched, uh, shut him out, only allowed two hits on 10 Ks, 103 pitches. Uh, you know, as Michael K said, Kluber does not start off the year strong, usually uh, struggles in the month of May, uh, and then he usually starts getting hotter uh, in the month of, I mean, struggles in the month of April and starts getting hotter when it gets to the month of May. So it is now May. He pitched yesterday, May 2nd, uh, had a great outing. So uh, I'll, get, I'll get a little more into that in a moment, but uh, overall, this weekend, they went 8 of 27 with runners scoring position. That's 296 average. So uh, a little happier with how they played this weekend. Although, as I told you in this first game, uh, they went 3 of 10 with runners scoring position. Um, the three were Stanton, which was a uh, not even an RBI, uh, although he did get the, the hit. Uh, Urshela also uh, got an RBI. He got a single, which is a nice sign, you know, to be able to get... Uh, a base hit, not a home run with runners in scoring position. And then the last guy to knock runners in with runners in scoring position was Judge and his grand slam. So, uh, you know, only one of the uh, hits with runners in scoring position was a home run. The other two, one of them uh, actually played at a runner. And then the other one didn't play to runner, but it was still a hit. So, uh, you know, only one of the three times we came through with runners in scoring position did it score a run. And, I mean, two out of the three times, I apologize, Urshel as well, one of them being a base hit, one of them being a home run. I obviously want to see a little bit less home runs, but can't but can't get too greedy right now. I mean, 10 runs is a lot. We also had Cole giving us the complete uh, the quality start, six innings, 12 Ks on only 87 pitches. His ERA is down to 1-4-3 now. Uh, so, you know, you can't ask for much more in this game. The Yankees scored 10 runs. We get a grand slam from Aaron Judge. We get five home runs overall, uh, accounting for eight of our 10 runs. 
So you can't really complain too much about this game. But again, I go back to our, our, our issues during the playoffs. And uh, that's why I truly believe that it is concerning when we hit all these home runs and we're not scoring runs via the re via regular base hits. But moving on to the game Saturday night, this was a win 6-4, to four, a little bit closer of a game against the Tigers. Uh, this game, we went 4 of 14 with the runners in scoring position. This was a little bit better. Uh, Judge went 2 for 2 with runners in scoring position. They, those were both base hits, a single and a double. So that's a very good sign uh, to see Judge playing a little bit better. Um, you know, after the, after the series, we see that his batting average is up to 281. That's a great sign. Uh, but it's also even better to see him hitting with runners in scoring position, not, you know, just relying on the home run. Uh, but looking at other guys that came up in the clutch, uh, it was only one, actually. Blaber Torres also went two for four with runners in scoring position, and those were both base hits as well. He had a single in the third inning and then another single in the sixth inning, uh, scoring uh, he, he, so in the sixth inning, he played two runs on that single. In the third inning, he played one. So he got three RBIs, two, and he was two for two with runners in scoring, two for four with runners in scoring position. I, I apologize. Judge was two for two with runners in scoring position. Um, so it was nice to be able to see them. You know, that first game, they hit a little bit, uh, they hit a bunch of home runs. This game, you know, they, they're getting the base hits that, that are driving in the runs. Uh, you know, that, that overall accounting for one, two, four, all six of the runs, uh, having been, uh, base hits, not home runs. So that was a very nice sign. We got good pitching, uh, in this game, uh, at least by the starting pitching. And then, uh, Wilson struggled a little bit, giving up two earned runs. He's got his ERA up to five, four, oh, and then Chad Green, Gave up one earned run in an inning and a third. His ERA is at 108. Uh, Tyon got his ERA at 5-2-4. Five innings pitched on one earned run. Uh, he's getting a little bit better. Uh, he got his first win, uh, and I believe exactly two years since his last win. So that was great for him. Huge for him to be able to come back and do this. Didn't even know if he would ever be able to pitch again. So amazing that he's able to get his win. Uh, not taking anything away from him. Would like to see him pitch a little bit better. You know, and get Boone to have a little more confidence in him. He did have eight Ks and only 79 pitches, only one earned run. I don't know why he's uh, got such a short leash on Tyon. Uh, maybe he, I, I guess he might have let, left runners on base or something uh, when he took him out of the game. I'm not exactly sure. I don't recall off the top of my head. But, you know, it's nice to see him pitching a little bit better, but still would like to see a little bit more, you know, especially with uh, us basically replacing uh, Tanaka, him with Tanaka, or Tanaka with him. <clears throat> you know, obviously you could say, oh, we replaced Tanaka with Kluber, but uh, it's, you know, either way. Basically, we, we lost Tanaka and we got those two guys, so you could argue it either way. But uh, another another good win in this one. The first two games of the series were quality games for the Yankees. Uh, the starting pitching pitched well in both. The bullpen faltered faltered a little bit in uh, the second game. But overall, the offense does the job. Six runs. Uh, you know that's that's what you should be expecting from the Yankees, and not what they did on Sunday, which has only scored two runs. And although they did shut them out. Uh, you know, Kluber had his amazing outing, 
two runs is not enough. Uh, you know, this guy, Urena, got his ERA down to 3.53 now in seven innings pitched, two earned runs. So I guess he's probably one of their better pitchers, but still would have liked to have seen more than uh, two runs in this game. They went one for three with runners in scoring position in this game. So it was one of those instances where uh, they're not getting guys on base. They only left two runners on base in this game. Uh, every in, in the other games, they left more runners on. They left nine runners on base on Saturday, and uh, nine runners on base on Friday. But uh, you know, even if you're leaving runners on base, that's more of a good sign. That means at least you're getting runners on base. Sunday, that wasn't the case. Only two runners left on base. That means that they weren't getting any anybody anyone on base. They only had three hits in the game, uh, including one walk. So really, not many base runners. Uh, as you can see, with only leaving two on base. Um, Kluber, though, eight innings pitched, two hits, 10 Ks, 103 pitches. Can't say enough about this performance. The, the starting pitching this weekend is what I believe is got our all those pitching statistics, ERA, whip, batting average against, up to where it is now. Because the, the longer that you pitch, like Cole got his quality start six innings, Kluber gets his quality start eight innings, it gives the bullpen more time to rest, and then they'll be more effective every single time they come out. Um, I believe that Chapman pitched back-to-back -back days uh, going Saturday into Sunday. He did. He pitched seven pitches on Saturday and then only 10 pitches on Sunday, so 17 combined pitches through uh, those two outings. I don't believe he obviously didn't pitch on Friday because we beat them down, but um, – you know, pitching has been phenomenal. Can't complain about it. But uh, to get to where the hitters are looking statistically uh, at the end of the series, we got LeMayu at 269. He had a bad day to finish the series. He had his average up to 280 on Saturday, and then he went 0 for 4. So now he's back down to two, basically 270. Standing at 271, that's fine. We, I think that everyone is okay with him uh, having his average at 270. That is... Uh, Fantastic, nothing to complain about. He's been playing really well as of late. Uh, but Lemayu, he's a guy that we need to have at like 320 or at least at 300. Uh, that's when he's playing his best. So hopefully he gets hot soon. But Judge also got his average up. He's been hot recently. His average now at 281, and he went 0 for 3 yesterday. So that goes to show how well he's been playing recently. And then you look at our after that guy or the guys that are struggling a little bit more. Other than Urshela, who's hitting 275, uh, that's a take. Now we got guys hitting, you know, above 260. We got one, two, three, four guys hitting above five guys. If you include Higashioka hitting above 260, uh, that was not the case around a week ago. Guys were really struggling, uh, including Judge and Stanton. So nice to see guys playing a little bit better. But then you look at guys like Odor, who's had many, many clutch hits for the Yankees. Uh, maybe many, many is a little over-exaggeration. But he's played well for the Yankees, had clutch hits since he's been here. But he's only hitting 169. Hicks hitting 157. Ford hitting 115. And Gardner hitting 180. And uh, Frazier wasn't even in the lineup. But you know that he's struggling uh, mightily also. So, you know, although they had a good weekend overall, 8 of 27 with runners in scoring position, uh, you know, average is 296. Uh, you know, they they left, they they got they were getting runners on base. The pitching pitched well, but still need to see more out of uh, – I'm really going to focus in on LeMahieu now because, uh, you know, he's the leadoff guy. We just gave him a contract. He's been hitting over – a good amount over 300 the past couple of years that we've had him. So uh, definitely expecting a lot more from him. And uh, just Aaron Hicks, that's a seven-year deal right there. 
you know, I guess that there's probably four years left in the deal at this point, maybe five. Um, but 157, that's just miserable. Uh, he, he needs to show some improvement as the season goes along because, uh, I don't know, I don't feel like he should be in New York for much longer if, uh, if that's what he's going to do, especially based on what he's done in the past, uh, really not showing anything special offensively other than the fact that he's a designated hitter. I mean, a switch hitter, not a designated hitter. Sorry. Uh, but that's it for my rant on the Yankees uh, for this Monday. Uh, good good sweep of the Tigers. Moving on to a series against the Astros starting tomorrow. Hopefully people don't get too crazy for that because uh, of you know what's happened in the past that with the Yankees and the Astros playing in the playoffs and the potential cheating scandal. Uh, so very excited to see what happens in that series. Series is going to be Yankee stadiums. Ya- Yankee fans are probably going to be riled up. So excited for that series and uh, very happy with the outcome of, of the sweep against Detroit. Uh, going to move on to the next topic of conversation, that being the new. So while the Yankees moved themselves to 500 over the weekend and to third place, I believe, in the AL East, the Mets did the same, moving themselves to 500, except moving to first place in the AL East, taking two games uh, of the three-game series against the Philadelphia Phillies. A crazy game last night uh, to finish off the series. Phillies now are a game back of the Mets, sitting at a 13-15, so it's a big series for the Mets to be able to go into Philly uh, and take two out of three with DeGrom not even pitching, uh, you know, and their second-best pitcher, Marcus Stroman, uh, losing in his outing on Friday night. So the Mets lose Friday night, win the next two. Um, I'll tell you the score of Friday night in addition to how they played offensively, and then I'll compare it to the next two games. Uh, so Friday night, the Mets lose 2-1 to one to the Phillies with Marcus Stroman on the hill. That game, they went 1-14 of 14, uh, with runners in scoring position. Then in the next two games in which they won, they won 5-4 to four against the Phillies, and then they won 8-7 to seven in a wild game. I'll get to analyzing that in a second. But overall, in, in those two games, uh, they went 9-21 of 21 with runners in scoring position. That is a basically 4-29 uh, batting average with runners in scoring position. Uh, so overall, if you add the two for the week, because they went 1-14 of 14 on Friday and then better the rest of the week, they hit 10-35 of 35 with runners in scoring position. Uh, that's a 286 average. That's still very good. Uh, so that's a take for the Mets, showing that you know things may be going in the right direction. Pete Alonso had a huge RBI uh, double last night, late in the game. I believe it was the eighth inning against the Phillies. Uh, so you know they struggle in this first game of the series, uh, in which you know Anderson pitches for the Phillies. Uh, not not really anything special. But uh, the Mets unable to do anything in in this game. Uh, you know, guys still struggling. Lindor after this game was hitting 189. McNeil was hitting 196. Conforto was hitting 212. Uh, McCann was hitting 214. Don Smith hitting 206. Um, you know, things struggling, and it's not like the Phillies have special pitching at all uh, when you're talking about both the starting pitching and the bullpen. So uh, that was definitely concerning to start the series, uh, especially after, you know, last week, uh, DeGrom pitches for the Mets against the Sox and nothing to show for it, even though he only gives up one run. They literally lose one to zero. 
uh, get two hits the, the whole game. So that was concerning. But uh, after that disappointing loss to start the series, they go up against uh, their former pitcher, Zach Wheeler, who recently signed with the Philadelphia Phillies. Uh, but in this second game on Saturday, the Mets went four for six with runners in scoring position. Uh, McCann had uh, a hit, Davis had a hit, and Alonzo had a hit, and Conforto had a hit. Um, those were none of those were home runs. So uh, not uh, actually Conforto's was a home run. That was it. The others uh, were all you know regular RBIs. So and they actually plated the runners, uh, unlike the Yankees, who uh, you know Stanton was unable to plate the runner, but got uh, credit for hitting with runners in scoring position. So uh, it's nice to see the Mets hitting a little bit more after this second game of the series. Uh, things weren't that much better, but uh, Lindor scored a run. McNeil scored a run. Um, Alonzo uh, scored, went two for four and scored a run and had an RBI. He's got, he had his average up to 263 after Saturday's game. Conforto had his average up to 230. Went two for four, three RBIs, and two runs scored in this game. So uh, nice to see some of the big names for the Mets uh, stepping up uh, when they most need them. You know, in this div- in the division battle. Uh, before I get into the last game, uh, the eight seven win for the Mets on Sunday night. Uh, just wanted to mention that the pitching is not the concern for the Mets at all. I think I've said this many times before. If anything, it's the relief pitching, which I'll get into in a moment. But overall, the stats for their pitching. Uh, staff, starters, and relievers included a fifth in ERA, third in batting average against, and second in whip. So uh, the pitching is looking very good. You know, honestly, not as good as the Yankees. Sorry to say, Mets fans. But overall, the stats are showing not as good as the Yankees, probably just because uh, the Yankees' bullpen has been so dominant. Uh, and the pitch starting pitching has been a little bit better. It's not up to the levels of the Mets, uh, as I've said in the past, but it's still very talented. And, uh, you know, the Mets have the better starting rotation, but the Yankees have the better bullpen. That explains why the stats are the way they are with the Yankees uh, having better pitching stats. But moving on to this last game, the Mets barely pull out out this victory, uh, 8-7 against the Philadelphia Phillies on Sunday Night Baseball. They score six runs in the eighth inning. Uh, That means that they were... Pretty much down four to two, I believe. Uh, and then in the eighth inning, they just went off, scored six runs. Um, I'll tell you who scored those runs. It was via a Pilar solo home run. Then uh, Peraza singled, uh, driving in Jonathan VR. Then Conforto walked with the bases loaded to drive in a run. And then finishing touches, Pete Alonso doubles. Uh, to the gap in right center, scoring Conforto, McNeil, and Lindor, clearing the bases. Huge inning for the Mets, uh, a breakout inning that I would love to see the Yankees have, uh, you know, not hitting the home run, but basically going for the uh, the base hits to get the RBI. They started off the inning with the home run to make it a, a one-run lead for the Phillies. Then they keep on tacking it on. Peraza hits the single, ties the game. Conforto walks. The Phillies take the lead by one run, and then Alonzo drives in three runs with that double to extend the lead, making it 8-4. to four. But that gets me into the struggles for the Mets right now. I think the Phillies have the same uh, concerns. Their, their hitting is good when we're looking at McCutcheon and Hoskins and Harper and Vialmuto and Didi uh, and even more than that. But the real concern is 
is the for the Phillies is the starting pitching as well, but I'm sure the bullpen is a major concern as well. I mean, last night the bullpen for the Phillies gave up a total of six earned runs um, in just literally a third of an inning pitched. Uh, this guy. Kinsler pitched a third of an inning, gave up three runs, they yanked him, and then they bring in Jose Alvarado, didn't get one single out, gave up three earned runs. So that's six earned runs on the third innings pitch. So you see where the issues lie with the Mets. I mean, with the Phillies. Uh, you know, I, I honestly say that maybe I have a little more faith in their starting pitching than I do in their bullpen, seeing that. But moving on to the Mets and their issues. Uh, they were up eight to four going into the into the bottom of the ninth inning, uh, trying to close it out, and they just are unable to do so. Edwin Diaz gives up three earned runs in two in a two and a third innings pitched. It seems like he always is able to get the outs, but he has to give up a couple runs in between there. Um, the runs were given up via a Quinn triple that scored Didi Gregorius, and then Hoskins hit a double that scored two runs, uh, making it eight to seven. And then uh, they obviously yanked Diaz, put in uh, Familia, who was able to get the to close out the game with a strikeout. But just goes to show you, if you cannot trust your closer, then uh, are, do you really have faith in your bullpen overall? I mean, you 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 go out and you trade for a guy uh, in Diaz who led the league in saves a couple of years back with the Mariners. Uh, and he just hasn't been the same guy for the Mets ever since he's gotten there. I don't know what it is. I mean, and it should be easier for pitchers in the NL because they don't have to deal with a DH. But uh, Diaz, you know, is just so on and off. His ERA is now at 4-2-2. I think that they should maybe consider moving him to like a uh, setup man role, maybe put Familia uh, as the closer. I feel like I, I personally right now have more faith in Familia than I do in Diaz. Uh, Familia's ERA is one two nine, so deservedly so. I have more faith in him. But you know the, the Mets. I right now I really can't complain about the Mets starting pitching, um, and their hitting is is playing a little bit better, especially during this series. As I told you, they went one of fourteen with runners in scoring position in that first game, and they made up for it. Uh, with by hitting nine of twenty-one in the next two games with runners in scoring position, so the the hitting playing a little bit better. McNeil up to two thirty-one. Lindor still below the Mendoza line, but he was able to score a run. Uh, Conforto average up to two fifty-seven. Now he went three for four last night. Alonso up to two sixty. Honestly, you shouldn't even complain if his average is at two sixty because he's he's the type of guy to have a high. Uh, you know, slugging percentage. He's going to have a lot of RBIs, but he's also going to strike out and get out a lot. So 260, take for Alonzo. He's been playing worse than that the whole year. Uh, Dom Smith had a good game, hitting 234 now. He went two for five and scored a run. Uh, Pilar had a good game, three of five, obviously hit that home run. Uh, he's got his average up to 194, close to Men the Mendoza line. He's a backup though, so uh, not going to you know, overreact too much to his average, but would love he could be a huge part of this team in that he could play multiple outfield positions, could be a good pinch hit type of player, uh, and good on defense. So would love to see him play a little bit better uh, to give the Mets more, make the Mets have more faith in him. But, uh, you know, just nice to see guys, the hitting, playing a little bit better, especially in clutch situations. As you know, the Mets are uh, top 10 in batting average, and on base percentage in all of literally in all of baseball, they are. Uh, I'll give you the exact numbers. 
They are ninth in batting average now and seventh in on-base percentage, but they are still last in runs. So they're still having issues uh, driving in those runs. They're getting runners on base, whether it be via base hits or the walk. They're doing it both ways. Unfortunately for the Mets, they're having issues driving in runs, but it was nice to see them go 9-for-21 in these last two games of the series against the division rival, showing that maybe uh, like when it, the, the moment matters most, uh, they're going to show up. Um, and obviously still can't overreact too much because guys like Lindor are hitting 171 and uh, crazy guys like uh, Andrew McCutcheon on the Phillies hitting 179. I mean, it's just crazy times in baseball. People are really struggling to hit. But overall, when we're talking New York baseball over the weekend, good weekend. The Yankees get a sweep of the Tigers, and uh, the Phillies win the series. I mean, the Mets win the Phil- win the series over the Phillies, two games to three, show show the bats come to life a little bit uh, in the last two games where they hit over 400 with runners in scoring position. So that's it for my rant on baseball uh, for the outcomes over the weekend. Going to be moving on to talking about the Knicks and the Nets. So the Knicks won me a good amount of money last night, Sunday, May 2nd, with their 122-97 win over the Houston Rockets on the road, starting this six-game road trip in which uh, they now play tonight against the Memphis Grizzlies. Uh, Huge win last night. I mean, defensively, offensively, holding the Rockets to under 100 points. Yes, they were missing guys. There was no John Wall last night. Um, Christian Wood injured for a little bit, came back, though. Uh, But overall... Uh, also a great offensive performance for the Knicks. Uh, Julius Randle, 31 points, 13 of 22 from the field, 4 of 9 from 3. R.J. Barrett, 21 points, 7 of 16 from the field, 3 of 7 from 3. D. Rose, 24 points, 8 of 11 from the field, 4 of 5 from 3. Now, if you want to hear something about the Knicks offensively, that will put you in absolute shock. Uh, it is that the Knicks, at this point of the season, Monday, May 3rd, with like under two weeks left of the season, they are the second best three-point shooting team in the NBA. Um, now, I'm actually seeing that they might really be third. I'm seeing that the Utah Jazz... Uh, The stat being that the Knicks are currently, with less than two weeks left in the season, Monday, May 3rd, are the fourth best three-point shooting team percentage-wise in the NBA behind only the Los Angeles Clippers, Utah Jazz, and the Milwaukee Bucks. And sitting at fifth is the Brooklyn Nets. Yes, the Knicks have a higher three-point percentage at this point of the season by the Brooklyn Nets, uh, not by a lot. It is 38 8.9 for the Knicks and 38.8 for the Nets. So it's really close. Um, You know, it just goes to show how far the Knicks have come from seasons past. Uh, The fans would have no faith in any of the three-point shooters, really. And now we're talking about guys like Randall and Barrett, both shooting 40%, along with uh, guys like Bullock and Burks, who have missed games. 
They're also shooting around 40%. And same with Derrick Rose. I mean, has been a revelation ever since he came to the Knicks. Uh, shout out one of my friends that said uh, after they acquired him that they didn't understand the deal. It didn't make any sense to them. Uh, it was a dumb, bad deal. You don't know what you're talking about. I don't think you know much about basketball. So don't really respect that opinion so much. I'm sorry about that. But uh, Derrick Rose has been so key, so important for the Knicks. Um, I mean, you, you look at the scoring last night, 24 points, efficient as hell, 8 of 11, 4 of 5 from 3. Uh, and then when you combine all the points together uh, between Barrett and Randall, that's 52 points. And then combined in Roses, that is uh, 76 points total. 76, obviously, you know, way more than half of 122. Uh, I'll give you the exact number. It is like 63%, I'd say, 62% um, of the scoring for the Knicks done by three guys, Randall, Barrett, and Rose. Uh, definitely got to give credit to, to other guys, though. Bullock had a great game, 11 points, 4 of 7, 3 of 6. Uh, you, know, when he, you know that Bullock has a great offensive game, plus 17, 50% from three, more than 50% from the field, um, and uh, they're holding their opponents to below 100 points. That means that Bullock probably had quite quite the game, even though only 11 points. Alfred Payton, same deal. Uh, even though he was a minus two, uh, he only actually played 14 minutes total, uh, you know, because that, that's the issue with having such great guys coming off the bench in terms of uh, Derrick Rose and Emmanuel Quickly, who had 13 points. 5-9, shooting 3-5, also had a great game. Um, but uh, Payton, 3-6 from the field, 1-1 one one from 3, 7 points. Uh, even though he had a minus, I'd still say that that's a, that's a good outing. He just does, doesn't get played sometimes because the other guys are looking so great. And last night, quickly with 13 points, 4 assists, plus 15, was looking great. Derrick Rose, plus 35, 6 rebounds, 4 assists. So he's doing – Derrick Rose and quickly doing a little bit of everything off the bench, scoring, facilitating, grabbing some rebounds. Um, really love how the bench has been playing recently. I feel like they are they are a huge part of, of what we're doing right now. Um, unfortunately, Nerlens Noel got injured last night. His x-rays came back negative. Uh, he is currently questionable for tonight. They have not announced if uh, he's going to play. That definitely hurts our chances if he's not going to be able to play and that we're going to have to start Taj Gibson and then Norvell Pell is going to have to get more minutes. And he's had good minutes, you know, in, in the times that he's had to play when Noel's missed a game or something. Uh, but the Grizzlies are a good team. We beat them, uh, you know, a week and a half ago around. Uh, but they played without Jaron Jackson then, basically their second most talented player. Uh, now he's going to be back. So there's going to be a much more hard-fought battle tonight, even though the last game was an overtime game. Uh you know, it's going to be a tougher, maybe not more hard-fought hard battle, but it's going to be a tougher game to win for the Knicks on the road. Uh, it's a back-to-back. -back. They did get three days off going into that game against the Rockets, which was nice. Uh, but this is a back-to-back. -back. Win that game against Houston. Have to get on a plane and travel to Memphis and get ready for the game tonight, which is at 9 p.m. Uh, also just wanted to point out that uh, in terms of three-point defense, the Knicks are the number one team uh, defending the three-point line this year, allowing opponents to hit 33.7% of their threes. Utah's number two 
Atlanta 3, Lakers 4, Phoenix 5. Uh, those are all playoff teams, obviously. So the Knicks doing something right on the defensive end this year. Got to give Tom Thibodeau all the credit for that. Uh, get, you know, Working it out with Leon Rose to get the, the perfect guys to join this team. When we're talking about Alec Burks and Nerlens Noel, they've had such positive impacts this year. And then acquiring a guy like Derrick Rose midseason and Taj Gibson, uh, really rounding out the team. Uh, and you know, and those are guys that bring that defensive intensity every single possession, every single day. So, uh, just got to give credit, credit to Tom Thibodeau for getting the right guys on this team, along with Leon Rose, um, and then just having them fight so hard, and clearly having them in the right possessions, positions. His game plan defensively is on point every single game that they play, and uh, he just got the right guys to to implement the game plan. And really bring it to bring it to life, and you could see the Knicks play very hard. They're getting around screens. The Knicks in years past, you, as I know, and I hope many other Knicks fans know, have had issues getting around screens. They're always switching around screens. That's not the case this year. We're fighting around those screens. Uh, we're not switching. We're not letting uh, the off the opposing team's offense take advantage of switches. Uh, we're getting around those screens. And if we don't get around those screens, we switch back real quick. The rotations are good, and the placement uh, of just where everyone is on the court is perfect. We're in the passing lanes, uh, and you know we're able to recover well to the three-point line. We hustle out there if a guy's open and still contest even if he's wide open for multiple seconds. And uh, for all those reasons, uh, you know the teams need to battle really hard, and that's why we are the number one uh, three-point percentage defense in the NBA. Also still a top five defense overall in the NBA. I think that the Knicks are currently sitting at like fourth right now in the league. Um, so really incredible stuff coming from the Knicks. Uh, Going to be a hard-fought battle tonight. You know, Randall, 30 minutes. R.J. Barrett played 40 minutes last night. So these guys are going to have to come in one day later and uh, grind it out again against uh, the grid and grind team like the Memphis Grizzlies. But loved what happened last night. Sitting eight games above 500, we are at the same exact record as the Los Angeles Lakers at this point of the season. Yes, the team that we're going to play in like a week from tomorrow that, uh, you know, I'm saying we have no chance of beating in a regular season game has the same record as us. Unfortunately, though, the Knicks are 14 and 17 on the road. Obviously, means that they're incredible at home. Uh, they are, it means that they are 22 and 11 at home. 14 and 17 on the road. Uh, this road trip is a time where we could turn that around. Maybe we could get back to 500, uh, win, you know, four games and lose and lose one game. Uh, would be crazy, probably really unheard of. Knicks, New York would go crazy for the Knicks if that happened, uh, especially you know nearing the conclusion of the season, going into the playoffs. But can't complain about anything with the Knicks right now. Love what's happening. Eight games above 500. Who could have predicted that this was going to happen? Uh, very exciting times to be a Knicks fan and can't wait to be back tomorrow talking uh, about Knicks Grizzlies. But that's it for my ranting on the Knicks. Going to move on to talking about... So the Nets kind of stumbled this weekend after winning four in a row against the Celtics, Suns, Raptors, and Pacers, losing both games they played this weekend, first against the Blazers and then against the Bucks. Uh, against the Blazers, Kyrie played. There was no KD. Against the Bucks. There was uh, both KD and Kyrie on the court. Obviously, Harden still sitting out. Probably not going to play until the 
postseason begins. Uh, before I get into analyzing each game individually, I'll tell you that they gave up 128 points to the Trailblazers and then 117 points to the Bucks. Uh, the Brooklyn Nets' defensive rating uh, for the season is 113.2. That is the 25th best in the league. Uh, just to name the top teams in terms of defensive rating in the league, one is the Lakers, two is the Sixers, three is the Jazz, four is the Knicks, five is the Suns. All playoff teams um, clearly all have higher defensive potential than the Nets. Uh, that is something that I am concerned with going into the playoffs. I think I've made it clear. Uh, the Nets defensively definitely a concern. Uh, you know, when you look at that game against the Blazers, 128 points, giving up 32 points to Damian Lillard, an over 50% shooting. Nurkic, 23 points, 9 of 12 shooting, 11 boards. Uh, you know, they had they do struggle getting rebounds as well. So, uh, you know, if you're going to face a guy like Nurkic or Embiid in the playoffs, you're going to get out-rebounded and just out-muscled. Uh, I could see 23 points, 11 rebounds from Joel Embiid against the Nets every game easily. Uh, you know, the only guy that they really controlled at all was CJ McCollum, 10 points, 4 of 12. Maybe they weren't able to, they were able to control him just because Damian Lillard, Nurkic, and Norman Powell played so well. Uh, that it didn't even matter. I mean, Norman Powell went one of seven from three, still went six of 13 from the field overall. So that's a pretty impressive outing for him. And then Carmelo Anthony off the bench, 15 points, five of 11 uh, from the field. So he had a good out. He had a good game as well. Uh, the Blazers shot 51 and a half percent from the, from the field and 44 and a half percent from three better than the nets on both fronts that shot 31.7% from three and 42% from the field. Uh, I'm really concerned with how the Nets play defense, uh, I, you know, and then going into that game against the Bucks, uh, giving up 117 points. I mean, that's not even that much uh, when you compare it to the rest of the league and how, how much the league is scoring these days. But uh, you see KD doesn't play against the Trailblazers, come back to, comes back to play against the Bucks, scores 42 points, but has a minus eight, 10 rebounds. Uh, you know, I think that this has to do with the lack of chemistry a little bit with KD and Kyrie not having played enough together at this point. I mean, they both did shoot well, but KD shot 33 times, 16 of 33, and he only had four free throw attempts. Uh, you know, he shot 7 of 13 from, from three. That's amazing, over 50%. 16 of 33 is obviously a little bit below uh, 50%, but like right there, still a great field goal percentage. But 33 attempts is a lot. You're not allowing the other guys to really get involved. When we're talking about uh, key players like Joe Harris, only scored five points. Jeff Green only scored seven points. DeAndre Jordan, uh, you know, had more attempts than uh, just as much or more attempts than those guys, shooting the ball seven times, ten points, eleven rebounds. I don't know why he has is uh, having such a big role, uh, you know, in terms of shooting the ball at least. Uh, but Blake Griffin had a good game off the bench as well. But you need to look at the issues of the Nets' defensive intensity and just their ability to play defense which isn't there i'll give them i'll give them uh uh not credit but i'll just uh won't take it as far because uh you know claxton isn't playing and the walu cabarro isn't playing and obviously harden isn't playing and as much as people say that harden isn't good on d i think that when the playoffs come around he will be there uh and playing very tough defense i, I can't imagine him not I don't know why he went to Brooklyn if he's not going to play defense in the playoffs. Uh, I don't know why KD or Kyrie went to Brooklyn if they're not going to play defense in the playoffs. So, um, you know, 
it could the, the fact that all that the, those two guys, Kyrie and and Harden, not KD. KD's no good on defense, um, especially help defense. But uh, Kyrie and Harden gonna have to play better defensively when the playoffs come around. Not you know be their lackadaisical selves, not really giving it all on defense. Uh, but also we're gonna have to see Kyrie and KD play for this last week and a half together and grow some chemistry because uh, the. Milwaukee Bucks, a team that they easily could face in the playoffs. Um, the Nets will probably have home court advantage over them, but at the end of the day, it doesn't matter if you're not playing uh, good quality basketball uh, on the offensive end together. Uh, if you're not sharing the ball around with the rest of your teammates, like Kyrie, like it's one thing for KD to shoot 16 to 33, basically shoot like 48, 49%, but uh, Kyrie, 8 of 21, that's a little bit worse, 2 of 8 from 3. Uh, maybe you should be the one giving the ball to someone else, uh, Joe Harris or a Jeff Green or a Blake Griffin, I don't know, or a Bruce Brown. Bruce Brown in five minutes, zero points. Uh, I believe he got injured last night. Uh, you know, Tyler Johnson, only 12 minutes, 0-4 from the field, zero points. Uh, you know, these are these are definitely concerns. I think that they need to work out the chemistry between uh, Kyrie and KD, guys that want to shoot the ball a lot, have the ball a lot. Uh, they need to work it out between themselves, uh, you know, not just who shoots the ball in certain situations between them two, but getting the ball to the other guys. Because I know that Joe Harris, as I've said in the past, is, I believe, one of the best role players in the league, is one of the best three-point shooters in the league. So definitely need to start getting him involved more. But uh, I wouldn't say it's a frightening loss, but it's a disappointing and worrisome loss for the Nets, losing to the Bucks last night by a score of 117-114. to 114. KD and Kyrie on the court. Uh, definitely a game that I think that Nets fans think that they should have won uh, simply because, you know, of the guys that they have and uh, what they've put together this year and what they've done this year so far. So disappointing back-to-back losses for the Nets to the Blazers and the Bucks. Again, the, the Nets, the issues that I have with the Nets are the fact that the guys haven't been on the court together. That could, uh, you know, hurt chemistry like, I think that the Nets were even looking good without KD on there when it was Kyrie and just the, and just the boys. Joe Harris was playing really well. Bruce Brown was playing really well. Uh, even Blake Griffin was playing well. So uh, interesting to see if, if they can work out these chemistry issues because combined last night uh, between KD and Kyrie, they shot 54 shots. That's, you know, <laughs> really a lot. We'd like to see them get the other guys the ball a little more. And then also the issues on defense. I mean, you know, one of the, really one of the worst defensive teams in the league. So uh, they're going to have, you know, a, a lot to take care of when it comes to the playoffs in terms of uh, fixing up their defense and uh, just bringing intensity on the defensive end that the Knicks do every single possession, which is why they're a top five defense. And, uh, you know, there have really rarely been teams that uh, – win championships without having good defense in the NBA. Like even the teams like the Warriors and the Cavs and the Raptors, those teams were great on defense. They were not just great on offense. So when you look at these teams, the Lakers, the Sixers, the Jazz, the Knicks, and the Suns, and even the Bucks top 10 and the Clippers top 10, makes me think that those teams have a better chance at winning the finals than the Nets because at the end of the day, the Nets are not going to be able to stop the Sixers or the Bucks while the Sixers and the Bucks will be able to stop uh, the Nets at a better rate. So that's my, my opinion on the Nets right now. I'm a little low on the Nets right now. I don't think that they're going to win the championship uh, as I did earlier on in the season, but 
who knows with that big three, anything could happen. But uh, that's my round for today, covering Yankees, Mets, Knicks, and Nets. Can't wait to be back tomorrow covering uh, New York sports outcomes. Uh, you know, going to be talking about the Knicks game tonight. I don't believe the Nets don't play tonight. They play tomorrow against the Bucks again. Uh, I think that the Yankees and the Mets both have nights off. But if I am wrong about uh, the Mets having a night off, then I'll be talking Knicks and Mets tomorrow. But for right now, I guess I'm just going to be talking Knicks. Maybe I'll talk a little bit of draft. Uh, but that's all for my rant today. If you want to listen to the rant or any of the other Strive Sports podcasts, you can listen to them on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. You can access them via the link tree in my Instagram bio at the Strive Sports, where you could also watch uh, this full pod. But you could also access my TikTok uh, via the link tree in my bio, where you could find my daily lay of the day. I had a good weekend. Uh, you know, multiple. Bets won this weekend. Yankees minus one and a half, along with uh, Jiri Prochaska in the UFC fight and the Seattle Mariners, who were an underdog against the Angels. So it was a good weekend for me. Came out with some money. Tune in for my lay of the day uh, so I can make you guys some money. Also, if you want to contact me, you can contact me via the my LinkedIn or email. Uh, scroll down in my link in my link tree in the bio. And you can find the widgets at the bottom. Also, looking for more comments and suggestions from the fans. So feel free to comment on the videos or DM me on the Instagram page. But I want to hear more from you guys. But for now, I'll be back tomorrow uh, with more of my rant. Uh, peace out on this Monday, May third.